Welcome to another episode of The Unathletic. I am your host, Ahira Foster. Today, I have with me my co-host and co-founder of A-Game, Adi. Today, we have a very, very special guest here in the A-Game stu- virtual studios, Brett Fouché. Adi, tell us a little bit about Brett. Yeah, so Brett was actually uh, one of my high school basketball coaches. You know, we've maintained a great relationship ever since then. He's definitely been a mentor for me, kind of just you know, navigating like business and just kind of, you know, adult life as well. So it's definitely a tr- uh, pleasure to have him on board. So welcome. Welcome again, Brett, to the A-Game Virtual Studio. Totally. Glad to be here. Cool. And today we have a very special topic. We're going to be talking about real estate, but not only real estate, but kind of the the, the back end of working with professional athletes and kind of what really goes on behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. here, get us started. Yo, so Brett, uh, first and foremost, what uh, made you get into real estate? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I grew up, I was a machinist, you know, my father owned his own business Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, growing up, you just kind of emulated that whole, like, Oh, business owner, entrepreneur. And, um, my whole thought was my brother and myself would take over that business. And then, uh, 2007, eight hit and the economy collapsed and my old man sold the business. And so kind of went back to college. My brother got into real estate and we started talking, well, maybe we can do this as a business. And, you know, all I cared about was running my own business and being kind of in control and real estate just happened to be that vehicle. Um, and so right out of college, I kind of fell into it and 12, 13 years later, still doing it. Damn. That's what's up. And I think you know, what you know, uh, pays a lot of tribute to you, to you as well. Right. Is that, you know, with real estate after the house, like with real estate before, like my dad is a real estate broker as well. His business hard back in 07, 08. And the fact that you had a, you adapted and, you know, you've been successful ever since, you know, it really yep. shows a lot of you know, tenacity that you had to put in to be able to be successful. And now you've been 13 years in, 12, 13 years. And that's, you now sometimes people try for five and just give up. So this has been well with you, well, even shorter than then. Tough, right? Mm-hmm. Like open up a restaurant, see if you can make it through the first couple of years. And trust me, I have, some hilarious, funny stories. You know, I have clients that, you know, back in the early days, my car broke down. I took the bus to show houses and they're like, I remember you show up, you know, you got off the bus showing houses and I'm so embarrassed about it. But then I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty cool story. Once you get to like a level where, you know, look at where I came from kind of a deal. But it's, yeah. When the clients tell you that stuff, you know, you know, it is what it is, but it's, it's not for everyone, you know, Mm. being a commission based entrepreneur, you know, hustling, getting through those early years. But when you look back, it's definitely like a humbling experience. Yeah, that is humbling. And then, so when did you first start, like, uh, you know, with real estate, right? You know, what were the clients that you're first working with, you know, before you got into with athletes? Like, you know, kind of tell us yeah. how you got in the niche of that. Um, so in the beginning, it was pretty much anybody. So mm-hmm. back then I had, you know, a handful of investors buying at the time in Arizona, $50,000 condo. You know, so I had, you know, cash buyers buying things like that. I had a lot of first time home buyers. And what's great about in those, in that state, you know, you could work at Costco and buy a house. So I used actually worked at Costco when I was going to college. And so a bunch of my clients early on were employees from Costco, right? Cause that was kind of my sphere friend. So yeah, you can make $15 an hour and buy a house. It's a very different market. So in the early days, it was a lot of, you know, just regular people. Um, and I would just bust my butt to, to help them out. And it was always like customer service, like going above and beyond, you know, I'd, I'd help a client put a, a water heater in, or I'd help them, 
you know, fix things in their house while I'm going through a transaction. Um, and so that's kind of where I built, you know, a lot of those very strong relationships uh, with my clients. And I got a lot of referrals from that. And, you know, it, it kind of, it fuels your, 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 your passion, I guess, for a job when you feel like you're doing something important, helping people. So. Mm-hmm. And then what made you transition from, you know, you were in Arizona, you know, doing condos as well. And then we brought you over here to the Bay area. Um, so I actually had an opportunity to uh, join a team because I'm from, I'm originally from the Bay area. So okay. um, I lived in Arizona for about six or seven years while going to college. And so I got a buddy that, that called me up out of the blue. Um, he was talking about his real estate team and he said, Hey, you know, you should move back. You should move back home and join the team. So I thought about it a lot. And then, you know, the whole thing of, wow, well, I can sell houses out there and the average price is, you know, six, 700,000 at the time, um, which sure beats, you know, 150. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I work, you know, just as hard, but make 10 times the money. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what brought me back. I mean, it didn't work out and that's a whole nother story, but um, you know, my, and plus my wife's from Phoenix and it, she's like, well, yeah, let's move back to San Francisco area. That'd be awesome. So it was kind of like adventurous and an opportunity to work on a team. So it made it a little easier to transition. Yeah. It all aligned. It all aligned. It, it kind of did. I mean, it was rough. The first couple of years was rough, kind of reestablishing, burnt through all of our savings. Like mm. it was hard to get reestablished, but we got through it. And now, you know, things are growing exponentially. So it's exciting. Right, right. It's important. The journey is important, right? Kind of just, you know, as you were kind of coming up in the ranks in real estate, right? Kind of how long did it take you, would you say, to really like, understand the ins and outs of the business. Like kind of like, were you allocated yeah. a certain amount of time on a weekly basis to understand, like not so much just solely just to do a single transaction, but to understand the broader picture of like how to actually thrive in real estate. Right. Um, so fortunately for me, like I have a construction background. I did construction early in my twenties. Um, so that's been like totally my niche when I'm talking with clients. So I had that background. And so I always approached the sale of a house more from like that. Like, what is the structure? What's the condition? What work needs to be done versus just trying to get through a transaction. So as far as time frame, I'd say it took me at least three years to feel like comfortable with everything. Um, and then getting to like that next level, I'd say a good six to seven years where I was like, Oh yeah, I can, you know, I have everything memorized. I can kind of, you know, go through a contract in my head, you know, the whole process of selling a house. Um, was pretty pretty much ingrained in my mind uh, about seven years, and then taking it because then it turns out from or turns from selling a property to running and operating a business. Mm. You make that switch because most agents all they care about is a transaction, but once you realize you're you're running a business, then it's more how to grow a business, business practices, and things of that nature that help elevate you to the next level. So when it came to real estate, right, kind of break it down for the audience for you. So now you're not just doing real, you're as a real estate agent, you're a real estate broker. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm, cl- I'm taking my classes. So I'm not, okay. All right. you're an agent for a broker until mm-hmm. you get your actual broker's license. In some right. states, it's one and the same, but in California, Arizona, and you know, probably 40 of the 50 states, you're an agent first and then additional training and courses and, and, and uh, testing to become a broker. Right. Okay. Okay. Because I was going to say, you know, from there, that's like, don't you get commission off of what the agent makes since they're under your team? If so, if you become a broker and open up your own brokerage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you hire agents, you, you know, a lot more liability, a lot more risk, mm-hmm. but a lot more potential reward. What I'm doing is I have a team 
within the brokerage. So that allows me to operate almost like a broker. And I actually mm -hmm. get 50% of the individual agents on my team. So that's kind of less liability, less risk, but you get the reward of, you know, half, half of their productivity. That's crazy. That's kind of the way to do it. And the big agents that are out there in the, in the country, they have teams in, let's say 15, 20 States. Each team has 10, 15 agents. So they have, you know, hundreds of agents on their team and, mm -hmm. and they're getting a cut of every single one of those agents. You know, these agents are closing a thousand deals a year, you know, making $3 million a year doing real estate. Yeah. That, that, that's the key. Right? Bridge. You know? And so every year we do this big family reunion with, within my company, Keller Williams. And back in February, I was in Dallas and I met this guy out and he's from Boise, Idaho. He goes 3.2 million. You know, he's probably my age, maybe a little older, but I'm like, okay, we really hit it off. And he's like, that guy will become my mentor because he'll help me get to the level that he's on. You mm -hmm. know, I only want to get halfway there. I don't know if I'm ready for like a hundred agents on my team dealing with all those personalities but yeah if i can get halfway there i'll be happy yeah i was actually you no know, transitioning to asking that right yeah. is, like, how important is that guy being your mentor and then you kind of understanding more of the real estate game to potentially bring on more people under your under you you know it's it's one of those things like successful people hang out with successful people right mm. so once you kind of understand that and you know who you surround yourself with matters you know, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I mean, you want to be intelligent, but you always want to be like, like playing basketball. I always go back to basketball because it's just in, ingrained in my mind and my, my heart. But when I go out and play, I don't want to play against the scrubs on the court. I want to go, you know, challenge myself. So I would go find, you know, okay, that court has got some players and that helps me elevate my game. It's no different, right? It's business, you know, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're into, you want to surround yourself with those types of people to help you figure out things that you didn't even know you didn't know. So now that I'm, you know, trying to get into that and it's been hard, it's hard to break into those different levels of success. And once you're around those people, you start thinking differently yourself, you mm -hmm. know, Hey Brett, you've been in real estate 13 years. How many properties do you own? I'm like, uh, none, you don't. Well, you need to build your portfolio. And it's like, wow, I never really thought, you know, even if it's not in the state, you can buy, you can, you can buy homes in, in Baltimore for $10,000, $20,000, you know, why wouldn't I, you know, figure out something, but yeah, it's like, you, you don't even think about that until you get exposed to a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important. It's very important to kind of continue to grow. I mean, that's, again, that's part of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. you, right now you're, you're in the first five years, you're in survival mode. I'm just trying to get deals done to pay the bills, you know, to, to make ends meet, to call this a career. Then it's like, okay, now we're in the building phase. So we built and now we're consistently successful year to year. Now we're in the, you know, legacy or the, you know, the, the um, where you want to build like a, become a mogul. So not only do I want to focus on real estate, but maybe I can help build other people's businesses and kind of get parts of that. So yeah, you just kind of, as you age and you get, you know, life experience, you learn that there's other ways of improving yourself and, right. and growing your businesses. You bring up a good point, right? You know, we probably hear this cliche all the time, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and to build any type of empire, you know, that's something that we're understanding here at a game too, as well. So we're yeah. uh, officially a year in now and you know how much we've grown, but you know, we're not nearly at the, at the potential that we can be at, but we realize you now we have to implement the right steps, the right processes, the interviews, the people, the team, the partnerships and, and everything like that, right. Is to get us to where we need to be. And, you know, you make a good point 
it's going to take time. Like, it's like, you can't quit after a year because you quit. It's like, you start wondering what, you know, what could have been. And I would not want to live life like that. Oh yeah. And that's, and it's hard sometimes. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. trust me, I've been up and down where it's like, am I in the right career? And I still sometimes struggle because sometimes it's like, you know, I, I have the, the battles within myself. Like I really hate what I'm doing right now and it's not enjoyable, but the income is so great. It's like, you know, but I think a lot of people struggle with that in their mm. own careers. You know, I went to college, I spent all this time doing this and, uh, you know, and I ha- that's why you see a lot of like, you know, uh, wall street people or corporate America uh, employees that quit and they go and they, you know, just travel the world. And they're like, now I'm a, a blogger for a travel site yeah. and making more money than I did in corporate, in corporate America, but I'm happier. So that's the other thing is, you know, as you're building, you know, it's, it's hard to want to say you want to quit or think you want to quit, but perseverance, you know, it, it definitely is important for that kind of thing. So, and it is about the journey. I mean, a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, you look back and you're like, man, it's been such a long road, but look at how much I've learned. Look at what we've done along the way, uh, but not getting caught up just, you know, only working. Cause then it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, what did I do with my life? All I did was work. It's so dope that you say that, right? About the journey, right? Because like, look at the people you meet, look at the places you go through because of the process of, um, of like, it's like, even like, say like the, going to San Diego, like one of my places to go, because my brother lives out there, right? The journey is hella long, just trying to, um, taking the five, but imagine all the places you get to stop. What if you take the one-on-one, you get to stop at the beach, stop off at Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. You might have more fun on the journey than actually being there. Well, it depends on what you go there for, but it's. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that sometimes you don't, like I'm, I just turned 40 uh-huh. um, and you know, you don't really think about it in your twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. As you get a little older and maybe you have a family start settling down. Like, you know, I took a basketball coaching job just because I'm like, that's kind of cool. Shit. Let's I'll do that. Like let's coach basketball. And it only lasted a year or two, but it was great. I had a great experience with it. I probably will never coach again. I don't think maybe I will, but it was such a cool time in my life. You know, I was, I wasn't doing great in business, but I was doing well enough that I could dedicate, you know, two or three hours of my day, five days a week. And then whatever games on, I can't remember if we play games on the Saturday or Friday, but super cool experience. And now look, you know, I'm still friends with Audi. I'm mm-hmm. still friends with Alex, uh, shake, shake, whatever his name is Austin Brown. Like, so there's, you know, like you never thought like I'd be friends with these 16 year old kids. 10 years later or whatever it's been six, seven years later. Now they're like grown into their own. So it's a really cool thing to just like take a step back, reflect and say, you know, look at all the stuff I've done. Cause you're so right. focused in the moment that you're just like, all you're thinking about is like what the next deal and this and this. And then you, you take five years and you're like, wow, look at everything that I've kind of gone through and accomplished. So, yeah, for sure. And you no, know, the next question kind of transition is like, right. Like how much does sports mean to you? you no, know, not just growing up, but even now, you know, as you worked with where you work with athletes in real estate and you learn through that whole process, how much has sports affected you? I mean, you know, it's, it's that typical story where I guarantee sports kept me out of a lot of trouble. So mm. having those, you know, opportunities to either play in like youth leagues um, or just, you know, in high school play pickup games at lunch um, you know, I grew up, I mean, we would be at the park, you know, five, six days a week till the lights went off two in the morning, three in the morning. So we would play all the time. Um, and I, you know, I've definitely used a lot of what I've learned teamwork and all those, those, you know, that mentality in my business, in life and, you know, just understood that. So it's definitely, it's always, 
you know, been a huge part of, of who I am, you know, mm-hmm. um, it gets harder the older you get. Like I try right. to get back on the court and now the whole shutdown happened. And I'm like, really, I just got <laughs> some brand new shoes. I yeah. just started getting my win back maybe three weeks of playing. And then it's like, now I'm, yeah. So, um, but you know, it's always like, you know, I love watching sports. You know, For my sure. wife is a basketball fan. And so, um, and then, you know, then we transition into working with professional athletes, um, or, you know, retired players or just, you know, networking with, you know, retired professional football players and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always important to me. And I always feel like I can connect with those types of clients more than, mm-hmm. you know, someone that doesn't like sports like that to me is like, okay. I mean, I don't, you don't have to be a fanatic, but it's like, you don't enjoy any sport. Like, okay, well, I guess we can talk about, I don't know. <laughs> it's, all- it's funny. Cause it's super hard to even have friendships with people that didn't even play sports growing up. Like it's such a, like, it's such a um, great like relationship builder. Like, yo, I used to play this back in the day. Like, oh, I still play I am leagues and this and that, but someone like, so you wait, not even kickball during recess. I know. So it's just like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Let me just say, I'm gonna. That's not the friend to. That's not the people to make friends with. Like, keep it real with you, because like that, I personally have to say, you know, this correlates with all of us that played sports growing up. Is it builds so much character, you know, the friendships that we have. It, it realize like, man, like to earn my spot is not given to me. I had to earn that, and that's what goes for you know whether it's working right now for business and or for your career. It's just like you learn so much, so much lessons to take out of sports. So it's it, it really does mean a lot, and so. Um, that's one big thing I understand. Yep, exactly. Definitely. Like with sports, I think it's um, it's the one thing that can connect people who have nothing in common. Mm. Like you could be walking, like, you know, like you could be walking down like the street, obviously before COVID. And it's like, you see someone with that, um, that Warriors jersey, just kind of anything. It's like you're, you have a commonality, right? Uh. You can be totally different backgrounds, everything. And like, you have a common bond and you could strike up a conversation. Like, there's really not too many things outside of, you know, maybe if you're a movie fan, or like a movie fanatic, or like music, but like sports is literally like the one thing that brings us together. So. Like, take a look at when the, um, when the Warriors won the finals back in like 2014, 2015, right? Like, that united a whole community to, together. It brought people from lower income communities to, you know, high income all together in one spot when, you know, during the finals. Now, not just there at the stadium, um, at the arena, but when at, during the uh, parade, everyone was together just excited. And that's like, imagine like a sports unites a whole community. You ever seen the, uh, what's that one movie with, uh, what's his name? Matt Damon. He played rugby, talks about during the apartheid. Hmm? Was it Rudy? No. No, it wasn't Rudy. It was, uh, so they were playing rugby and then it's when South Africa won the, uh, right. won the rugby world cup. Like this was, I want to say, and then Nelson Mandela was of course president and it, it right. united a whole country together because they won the world cup against New Zealand, all blacks, which is, at the time probably the best still the best rugby team out there mm-hmm. so it's just like how much sports unites a whole community because they represent you know it re- united a whole country if you watch oh. look that up and we be able to you know talk about that it's, it's so huge well, let me look that up i mean look at soccer if you want to see a fan soccer in the countries that they lift up i mean that's yeah one of the most exciting sports out there in the world cup and all that so, yeah it's it's pretty amazing to see how that unites a John, you know, a, a whole people, you know. Oh, Invictus, that's what it's called. Invictus. Ah, there you go. And now Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman played. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Shout out to Nelson Mandela. There you go. But so now you know, as you start working with athletes, right? And so one thing is, you know, how much have you learned from athletes, you know, for your own business, and like, you know, tell us a little bit about like 
you start understanding the financial side of things as well as for the real estate. How much has that helped your business? Um, you know, it, it's, it's a smaller portion of the business. It's probably, mm -hmm. you know, five to 10%. So it, you know, I've probably only helped out maybe a dozen, um, either professional coaches, professional athletes, various sports, uh, mainly baseball, but a little bit of football as well. Mm -hmm. Um, the main thing that it's, it's kind of shed a light on is, you know, how uninformed some of these players are that have wow. these, you know, huge contracts. So, um, shockingly, a lot of them are ill-advised in mm -hmm. my opinion. I mean, don't quote me, but, um, by their agents and whatnot, where, you know, like one, one player I worked with, he was getting a $4 million a year salary and they told him to find a rental and he went out and rented nearly $10,000 a month property, um, out in Oakland. And I was just like, why don't you just buy this property? And if you get traded or move, then you could rent it out to the next professional athlete or whatever, you know? Yeah. So right now he's just throwing away 120 grand for whatever, one or two years versus, you know, building. So that part of it was, was very odd to me. Um, cause a lot of the, the athletes I've worked with, I don't know why they're telling them to rent, but that's just kind of what they've done. Um, so, you know, that's where I kind of came up with some concepts like, well, we should probably try to, you know, not educate these people because they're the ones with all the money, not me, but, um, you know, provide them with some of that stuff where it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, here's something like wealth building versus, you know, you could becoming another player that is bankrupt five years after you leave the league. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of it is, you know, just how down to earth a lot of these people are. I mean, I had, dinner uh with sean doolittle and my father and it was great he was just a super chill guy you know we just kind of hung out sat down had a beer you know and it, you wouldn't think that he was like you know some awesome big time player for sure um same with one of the football coaches of the niners i met with just a super cool dude loves to plays his guitar liked his wine like you know so it's like and i never really was like the whole you know starstruck and you know oh my god let me get your autograph no, no player I've ever met. Have I ever asked them that? Cause I just, you know, they just want to be left alone in my opinion. So I just always kept it super professional, very, you know, um, advocate towards what they're trying to achieve and just kind of going above and beyond. Um, but you know, overall, it's just, it's always been, I've always wanted to get to that next level where I'm helping, you know, with the purchases and with this transit and like, you know, becoming a, a better resource. Cause I feel like the people that they're surrounded by right now, they're just sharks and they're just taking advantage of all this wealth. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's, it's sad to see. Um, it's really sad to see because like, look, here's one prime example, right? Um, there's this basketball player, Delonte West. You know, currently right now he's going through a lot of mental issues, yep. but you're talking about he made millions in the league because he was actually a really good player and he was a, a key role player for a lot of teams, right? For Mavericks, for the Cavaliers. And we're not going to say what he did with LeBron James' mom, but you know, that's a different story. But, um, what I am saying is like, you know, he's going through a lot. Now imagine if he was financially responsible. Now he was like, the recent update about him was like, he wasn't like found in a hospital gown and, you know, it's kind of going crazy. And it's just, it's sad to see. It really is. And, you know, even though it's from a mental health aspect that's going on, but, you know, money, like I also see a lot of times with like black athletes, as an example, is like a survivor's, a survivor's remorse. You know, they have, they yeah. feel like they have to always give back. They always have to give back to the community and which is good which is great don't get me wrong get back to the community but you know they're spending money on their family and it's like i can't tell you how to spend your money but it's also you, know, you got to be able to look after for yourself and you know this 
doesn't last for a long time. You were saying like the average average time an athlete plays in like the NBA, for example, was what like three, four years, maybe five max. Yep. And so it's like it quickly comes and goes. It does, and that and I think a lot of that problem and issue comes with the mismanagement portion. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. I know that there's a lot of light being shed onto that, but you know. The, the bad part is the young generation, they keep coming back. So you keep yeah. new 19, 20, 21 year old kids that, you know, so the cycle always will repeat itself because everyone's cashing in on their, their fame and their fortune and their success. And, you know, and it is sad because like you said, five or seven years in the league, then they're done and no one, no one's there to help them at that point. Cause it's, there's no more money to be made. So yeah. You know, it's definitely, it's systematic, whatever that, whatever's going on with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's same in the music industry, right? It's like the artists are always getting the, the you know, the, the worst end of it um, until they're the ones that, you know, start their own labels or do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everyone else around them is getting the money where they are left with, you know, a percentage, a small yeah. percentage of that. And like I like I like the point that you made when you're having dinner with Sean Dula, right? And you're talking about the um the one of the Niners coaches. Yeah, a lot of them don't really want to talk about their profession or just sports in general, right? And sometimes like uh, our podcast host for the Unathletic is actually currently playing in Israel. You know, sometimes you know we don't really talk about basketball. Um, we just talk yeah. about just life things. And you, you're just any ordinary person, you know. You're saying he likes to play his guitar. And yep. I like to play golf. Uh, just they have hobbies too. So just imagine like you just approach like, yo, can I have your autograph? Can I have a picture with you? It's like, that's just coming off the wrong way. And yeah. yeah, but it's see, and it's hard because they are, you know, pushed to that upper echelon. They're held up on a pedestal. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's hard as a, you know, but I've never really been like fanatical like that. Um, you know, there was a time when Latrell Spreewell was a player. We found out where he lived. We drove by, we yelled Spreewell. We saw him on this. Part. So that was probably like the worst, uh, you know, fanatical thing I've ever done, but I was also like 16 years old and he was our idol at the time for the Warriors. So, um, but you know, yeah, it's like the last thing they want to talk about is, you know, things like that. So I'm always kind of just like I do with anybody I meet, like, I don't know if they're famous or not, but you kind of, you know, it's just a a breath of fresh air when, when someone is like that towards you and you're just like, finally some normalcy where I can Mm -hmm. just have a beer with this guy. Yeah. He's my agent, but it's like, we're just hanging out and, you know, talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about. Um, anything but baseball or anything but football or, you know, so. Yeah, like, there, here's an example, um, like, before we kind of uh, transition into in this interview, right? It's like, for example, I read this article or, like, uh, it's like this post where this person was saying, like, how Clay Thompson, this was a quote from him, he, he was at the club and then someone came up to him, like, uh, in terms of wanting, like, he was at the bar at the club and then he's like, dude, I just want to listen to good music. This person came up to him talking about, man, like, you know, that game was crazy. But if you would have done this or you would have done that, you know, different outcome. It's like, dude, I'm here enjoying music. Basically, leave me alone. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you got it's time and place for everything. But maybe probably the homeboy was drunk. Who knows? I know. And that's the problem. It's like it's so hard to escape their world, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why they dress up in disguises. And that's why they go out, you know, because when I, like when I lived in L.A., I was lucky enough. I played three on three with Magic Johnson. I mean, mm. he was in the the twenty four hour fitness and playing basketball. So obviously, hey, let's play some basketball, right? Like that's a different situation. But you know, I I met you know several famous actors and just you know a handshake. Oh my god! Like I met Sidney Poitier and I'm like, oh my god! Like you're just hanging out at Venice Beach and I just shook his hand. I was like, hey man, it's great to meet you. 
And that was it. No, no, you know, just, just a friendly little quick little exchange versus, you know, that whole, cause it's just, I'm sure it gets old, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, trust me, I get tired. Like when my father was on my real estate team, all we talked about was real estate. And eventually we had to part ways. Cause I'm like, you know, I just want my dad back. The kids want a grandfather. I don't want to just always be business and business and business and business. So yeah. even, at, even someone like myself, we all get tired of talking about those types of things. So it's nice just to have a normal, yeah, normal conversation, whether you're a professional athlete or, you know, college player. That's true. And it's even like when we go out like downtown Oakland, for example, right? You know, we'll see some of these rappers like uh, Rex Life Raj, I Am Sue, for example. And then like you see them like, yo, no, keep doing your thing. That's what's up. Nice to meet you. And then keep it moving. That's it. You just yeah. keep it moving. Yep. It's essentially like imagine like you talk about you just bombard them with all this stuff. It's just like it's a quick exchange, 10, 15 seconds. Appreciate you keep it moving that's that's the biggest thing and that's the biggest advice i have to say to folks because again people want to enjoy their lives dude yeah agreed yeah they're human beings right and i think it's like when we look at entertainment it's kind of athletes right it's like we expect them to be on the clock 24 7 which is like really not fair it's like you know like like you mentioned with yourself uh, you know even like with me with work and like here too it's like you know like at some point you're a human being you just literally want to be able to talk about human being things like how was my day or how am I feeling what's bothering me right and I think um we as we as society gotta do a better job of that so yep exactly and then so kind of like that moving forward like you brought up a good point right how the system with a lot of athletes is basically you know they're sharks you know they're trying to get theirs and keep it moving so you know from what you've been able to work on with these athletes in terms of real estate and you see what you see in finances you know what are some type of no, what's that advice that you would give to athletes that are first looking for homes and to be smart with their money? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all relative. So, you know, I see the article, Seth, uh, Steph Curry buys, you know, this $30 million Atherton property um, or something like that. And it's yeah. just like, I mean, I get it. Right. You got, if you're making 40 million a year, a year's salary is nothing on a house. Right. I mean, um, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I think it's a bad business practice because unless somehow in 10 years he retires and he goes to sell a house and he sells it for a huge profit, good for him. But half the time they buy these things for 30 million, they end up selling it for 12. It's like, that's a 50% loss on your portfolio. So, I mean, when they don't care about money, then yeah, what does it matter to them? But I feel like they're just, you know, there should be a lot more. It's like, like a normal person going to high school. No one talks about credit. No one talks about finances. It's not taught until you're twenty thousand dollars in debt and you're like i got all these credit cards and now my credit's shot so i feel like you know the money is so easily made for some um that there's not enough people surrounding them to, to have their best interests at heart and that's yeah. really what it boils down to so for me you know like i've tried to have those conversations but what ends up happening is the sports agent says you know quit talking to my client the other people that are managers or whatever they they really they are so protected by those people that they're, that they hired to help them. They're not really helping them. They just want to make them happy, do whatever the client wants. doesn't matter the cost. And, you know, cause at the end of the day, they're getting paid. So I've, I've noticed that um, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's the whole sporting system is what, in my opinion, I've noticed from my experience is what is kind of causing it. Um, obviously it's different. Like, like I said, the coach that I helped, you know, he's a grown man, 50, 60 years old. He doesn't have to, you know, he's already been there, done that. And he's also not making millions. He's making a million, right. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more, you know, uh, 
budget friendly or more conservative with his money and what he's spending. Um, where the other guys, it's just like, oh, whatever, I'll make it again tomorrow. And yeah. Would you agree with this one um, about there's a lot of yes men? And now that since there's a lot of yes men for two, two athletes, there's not someone there to be like, look, dude, kind of put you in check real quick. Like, this is not the best idea. Like, again, you know, the same thing, right? You know, say like your athlete that is, has a two, three year contract, but I think is once that, once that is done, now you go to a new place, you know, you bought this home for millions of dollars and, you know, now you're stuck with it, you know, well, you're stuck with it or you sell it for less and yep. complete less than what it was really worth. It's not, yep. it's not smart. Yeah, there is a lot of yes, men. I mean, I had a, a client um, help with the rental and at midnight, I get this phone call and they're asking me to order them pizza and chicken wings. And my wife lost it. She's like, who the hell is calling you at midnight asking for pizza? Yeah. You know, next day it's like, Hey, can you come uh, you know, set our TV up? Our TV's not working. You know, it's just like, I mean, I think that comes with fame and celebrityism and all these things. So even if you're not at the, you know, Steph Curry level, even if you're making a million, two million, three million a year, like you still get, you get so catered to, that you, you know you're you're kind of childish you know mm. the fact that she needed me to call and order and i actually i was trying to that's the bad part about it because i wanted to make them you know they just moved here they're from yeah. south america blah 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 so i'm like looking it up i'm like god there's nothing open in oakland at midnight you know so and then i just kind of was like i need to stop this like i'm playing right into it mm. so you know and that's part of the problem is it's like it it created and then it kind of perpetuates itself because you get sucked in pretty easily. And I was shocked at myself as it's like, it's not my job. But then eventually I called the agent, told them what was going on. And then I pretty much got cut off. And I think that they just didn't like that I even had that much communication because I never heard back from either either people uh, people again. So kind of sucked. I sh wish I didn't shoot myself in the foot, but whatever. At least I'm not ordering pizza at midnight anymore. Huh. And kind of with that, right? Um, you know, throughout your career, like how have you found that balance you know, where it's like, you may lose like a sale or kind of like a relationship here or there, but you'll have like your best interest in mind, you know, moral ethical as well as, you know, even like your own sanity standpoint, like how have you found that balance? But ironically I haven't because I mean, we're working on it. So like right now I, I over promise, but I also over deliver, but we're trying to get to where it's like, okay, you don't need to, you know, do all these things that you normally have done. You can pay someone to do it. So you know, like the other day, uh, I was had a property in Fremont, and the cleaners bailed. And so I'm like, God dang it. I, so I just ended up cleaning the whole house. But it's like, why, you know, what I'm saying like, I did it because, you know, we have photos, we have this, we have, like, we have this, this time frame that we're stuck to. So instead of just trying to figure out something else, I just did it myself. But it's like, I shouldn't, you know, what I'm saying so I still kind of am figuring that part out, like how to find the balance. The difference now I, I'd say is I, I definitely cut off and I'm doing more family. So as opposed to answering my phone at 10 o'clock at night, dealing with clients, you know, all day, all night, I'm like, once I'm home five o'clock, let's go into voicemail, you know? So that part of it, I've definitely, you know, because I can't, like I could say, no, I, I can't work with you because, you know, I can already tell that this is either going to be a difficult transaction or, you know, not necessarily not worth my time, but, um, I can prioritize who I decide to help. Where most years it's like, I don't care what the problem is with the situation. I'll do it. I'll do it. Here you go. And then I end up spending six months and the client quits on me. And I'm like, I just wasted six months and didn't even get paid. So 
that's probably the only the biggest difference is you know understanding what I used to do and then kind of modifying it to a certain extent to where I don't get caught up in those situations like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And kind of with, with that, right? Kind of like, how would you say like your why has evolved, right? You know, obviously when you first were starting off in real estate, you obviously wanted to make a name for yourself, be established to now, you know, kind of like, you know, being settled down and having a family of your own, kind of like, you know, um, how has that evolved like throughout your... Oh, yeah. Um, so like when I first started, I believe my why was you know, to help people. Right. So I'm like, I'm, a, I was always like that. You know, I'm the guy that I see some person trying to spare an old lady trying to change your tire, stop my car, help them out. Right. Um, always been, you know, very overly helpful to, to everyone. And so I, I, that's the part of real estate as far as service. Cause even when I was uh, before real estate, I was working at like a Cadillac dealership selling cars. So I really enjoyed like the customer service side of things. So um, when I got into real estate, it's like, wow, the more I help this person, the more money I could potentially make. So it, it was an easy why for me to have for the first half of my career. So six, seven years, then it became, you know, when I met my, my future wife, 12, 10 years ago, it became like, you know, she was more like the why, like our relationship and this, now that we have a family and children, it's like, it's super easy to have that why, right? It's like, how can you not want to help your family, your wife, your kids, um, the only difference now is the why is getting bigger because it's more like, you know, being able to help my whole family. So not just like my immediate family, extended family, but like anybody that needs help. So if I'm the guy that can, you know, whether it's helping, you know, pay for some car problem to be fixed or, you know, Hey, if you're short on something, yeah, we can help you out or, or bigger things where it's like, Hey, if you need some, you know, down payment assistant or whatever, um, just being able to, you know, be able to front that bill without even blinking at it, you know? Um, and then it's all, and it's, it's still evolving because now it's like, you know, do I want to be that big leader where everyone, you know, is really looking at me where I do have a hundred agents on my team. And that's something I've always wrestled with because success, I mean, people want to be successful until they're successful. And they're like, you know, I've always been afraid of the success because it's like, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of stress. And not everyone's built to, to handle that stuff. And that's why you see some of these athletes breaking down mm. drug problems. They, they get into alcohol, you know, and they throw their careers away. Um, like uh, what's that guy, the one football player, he won the Heisman. I just read an article about him. He just, he's done with football. Um, he doesn't think he'll ever go back. I can't remember his name, but it was like four or five years ago. He was on the Browns or something, I think. Um, oh, Trent Richardson? Menzel. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Menzel. Oh, Jenny, Johnny Menzel. Johnny yeah, Menzel. Right? Like, the stress got to him and it's it's not it's not his fault it's just mm. that's the kind of pressure that and, will build with success and remember this too as well with johnny Mantel, right you know he actually got clean he's actually trying to play football and get back into it so i actually like really like his story too as well oh, yeah. but he was on a, he was on an interview with kevin hart called cold as balls on youtube and it was a really great story yeah. but with johnny Mantel, just imagine this though he was a freshman phenom so the fact that you know when he was at texas a&m and so you imagine like after he won that heisman back in 2012 and now yep. he's going on campus saying, like, yo, look, my gosh, it's Johnny Mantel. It's Johnny Football. And, like, that was his name. He was a brand. And yeah. so, like, that could really, like, at 19 years old, that could really get over on someone. That could he, really. Like, he didn't have the right support system, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't have, you know, anyone really looking out for, you know, managing these pitfalls, you know. Because if everything, the world's just handed to you at 19, 20 years old, of course you're going to, you're, you're destined to fail. I mean, yeah. you know, the drug scene, the alcohol scene, the girls, I mean, all these different things, gambling. I mean, what the, yeah. I mean, 
all of a sudden you throw that person in Vegas, what do you think is going to happen? You know, <laughs> Temptation. Like, I mean, and it's tough. I mean, and a lot of that, you know, is, is maybe your upbringing, you know, maybe just your core values and such, but doesn't mean you can't help, you know, with the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. So, so Yeah. I think it has to do with a lot of temptation, right? And I actually know this is for advice for anybody to be able to hold, you know, something to hold it down. I call it my pillars of my well-being. You know, work in school is always going to be there, right? But when it comes to your pillars, what holds you up, whether it's family, a certain sport for myself is Muay Thai. And then, you know, and then like friends, God, therapy, whatever it is, you know, is what holds you down. That's what defines you. Then I feel like any outside noise that you get for success, as long as you keep on contributing and investing in those, then I feel like, Nah, it shouldn't be able to knock it down but right. i know sometimes some people are different but that's just the foundation will hold you up no matter how much success you get no matter how much outside outside noise comes mm-hmm. you'll still be able to be cool so you know your pillars of your well-being is a huge thing for i feel like not a lot of people really practice because sometimes like I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to have my mom my dad my stepdad my girlfriend's family like you have all this family support mm-hmm. but some people don't even have their parents some people don't even have you know, like family or even friends looking after for them so imagine like you finally get some love and it's like the love is, is like, there's, I guess you could say malice in it, you know, it's bad. It's not, it's not worth it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you have you an agenda. Have that person that, you know, acts like they're your friends, but they actually want to see you fail. You know, I've had that. I'm sure we all have that. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate. That's why my sh- circle shrank big time mm-hmm. over the last decade. Cause it's just like, you realize who you can really depend on. You know, so I still have like super close, you know, like my old college buddies and like some of my buddies from high school. But other than that, it's like, yeah, it's hard to, you know, let those those people in, you know, as you get older and you, you experience, you know, a lot of those negative experiences with, with those people. So actually, yeah. Brett, this, this reminds me of another thing as well. Right. It, um, no, not, not matter of fact that you said your circle got smaller as you've been getting older. Now I realize is like how many like how many of those friends actually come into the house and you let in. Yeah, like, for real. Like my grandma was. My grandma said this. Like I'm careful who I bring people, uh, who I bring into my kingdom. This is my area. This is what. And I was like, damn, Granny. Like, 88 still dropping gems like that. Like it's true though. It's a good. That's a just, great philosophy. Mm-hmm. You don't just let anybody into the house because this is where I sleep. This is my energy. This is my where my kids are, are raised. And you know they that's mess. One. That's where my kids. Are. I don't. Yeah, I don't trust people to begin with. Mm-hmm. So you know, with certain. Yeah, only a few friends. A very select few. Uh, would be allowed, you know, because right now it's only family that comes over to our place, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's just because, you know, we, you know, are busy with raising the family. So we don't really have time. And when we do meet our friends, it's we go to a winery, you go to a restaurant, you go to a park and whatever. Or we used to do that. So um, now it's just, you know, jump on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. What we're doing right now. <laughs> that's exactly it. Perfect. And then, you know, Brett, to kind of wrap it up, right? Kind of, you know, at the very end, we ask all of our um, special guests what brings out their A-game and like, um, you know, ultimately for you, you know, you've kind of built up um, yourself in real estate. You're kind of a family man now, but ultimately like, you know, what, what brings out that A-game from you? Let's see. Um, right now, it feels like, like, so I've spent a lot of the last, whatever, let's say decade, um, building this momentum. So right now it's like taking a step back, sitting down. Cause I've really, my wife has been working with me for the last, uh, let's just say four or five, six months. And we're talking about, you know, what that next level looks like. So we are working more on 
you know, elevating our business and everything. So the, the thing that elevates us is probably, you know, entering that next phase of our lives where we, you know, have an extremely successful business, you know, we're, we're buying property, um, you know, we're building the family. And so, you know, the, the, I guess the challenge of it all, cause you know, yeah, earlier on in my career, I just, you know, Oh, I want to make six figures. Like that was one of our, my goals early in my career. And it's like, yeah, that's nothing. Now, like I've sold a house that almost made $90,000. So it's like, you know, that is not, no, that's no longer the standard. So I think a lot of what elevates us is, um, you know, the challenge of growing to this next, you know, whatever I'm growing into, um, you know, evolving into like a, a business leader, giving back, um, things of that nature. Um, but it's really just, you know, I guess for me, it's more about the harder I work, the more time I can spend with my family. So maybe that's probably something that I've realized, especially now I've worked more from home and I've spent more time with my family than I've worked, but I'm making more than I've ever made. And that's pretty wild. Like I probably only, I mean, granted this week I've, I've crushed and I worked, you know, 15 hour days, but on the average day, I'm only working three or four hours, but making five times more than I did five years ago. So having more time, that's something that you realize, you know, more, more quality time for myself that I can spend on whatever, as opposed to just spending all my time with the client just mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm trying to make them happy. So now I want to get some of that back and, and do what I want with my time. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's huge right there, man. Hey, Brett. Yep. Now first, thank you so much, dude. Like, you know, you have no idea. We've been trying to get this done since March. You know, yeah. we had that conversation, but you no, know, thank you so much awesome. for being on the show with us, man. You know, we appreciate you taking time and, you know, we hope you have a great 4th of July and to the audience too, as well. I have to show a lot of gratitude. Thank you so much for listening to us. You know, you're the reason why we're able to continue, you know, with a game and been getting a lot of great feedback. So, you know, plenty more great content that's out there. Adi, thank you so much for being my co-founder, my co-host. And, you know, we keep on pushing, bro. We keep on pushing. So, Brett, thank you again, man. You have a great 4th of July. You guys do the same. Man, we appreciate that. And Adi, we tune in next week, all right? Thank you. Sounds good. Signing off. <laughs>